Hello and welcome to Witch Wine. I'm Shelby. And I'm Desiree. And tonight we have spooky glasses. With we have spooky glasses. I'm drinking wine. Shelby is drinking whiskey and Coke Zero. As per usual. Um, it's still spooky season, so we're keeping it spooky. What, yeah. do, what do you have today? I have a true crime case. <laughs> Which I was shocked when you told me that. I was like, true crime? I know. Usually I'm all about the paranormal and skinwalkers, but nope. Today I have a true crime case, and it's long, so y'all get to listen to me struggle to read. <laughs> so. um, I have a spooky story, so we flopped Whoa. this week. Yeah, Mine is um, a spooky story from Reddit. But the Reddit user, her mom, was visited by Ed and Lorraine Warren because of, like, the happenings. What? Yeah. Damn. All right, you want to go first? Okay. So mine is the Candy Montgomery case. I don't Um, think I've heard of this one. (laughs) It's... I haven't heard of it until they are making a HBO Max. I believe it's a miniseries. Mm Mm-hmm. With Elizabeth Olsen, Lily Rabe, and I think Kristen Ritter, which love all them ladies. So yeah. obviously, <laughs> that's why I looked into it. Um, also, I have two animals by my feet right now. <laughs> I can't move. <laughs> good luck with that. O'Malley just yelled at me for yell for moving. So well, you ran him over. So he did nothing <laughs> but yell. He didn't try to move. Okay. All right. So. Candy Montgomery was a mother and a housewife, and by all accounts, normal and well-liked by her community. In 1977, she and her husband, Pat Montgomery, moved to their dream house in Wiley, a suburb in Texas, or in Dallas, Texas. Pat provided for Candy everything that she needed thanks to his job as electrician engineer, and she was able to stay at home with their son and their daughter while she didn't mind being um a housewife, she admittedly was bored of her life. The 28-year-old was also a devoted churchgoer, and she attended a Methodist church of Lucas, where she struck up a friendship with Betty. Their relationship relationship, um, took a turn in 1978 when Candy collided with Betty's husband, Alan, while playing a church volleyball game. It was an innocent moment, but Candy thought that Alan, quote-unquote, smelled sexy. Ew. <laughs> Gross. Right? Um, she had been vaguely talking to her friends about having an affair to shake up her, quote-unquote, very boring and sexually frustrated life with her husband. After bumping into Alan at the volleyball court, she started fantasizing about having sex with him. Gross. <laughs> Candy also sensed that she... Um, that he was flirting with her as well. She came on to him a few weeks after they collided at the volleyball game. She slipped into the passenger side of his car after church and told him that she was attracted to him. Candy and Alan started their affair on December 12, 1978. They would meet at a cheap motel every other week, but then it became less frequent when Betty had her second child. Betty and Alan's marital struggles led them to attending a weekend-long marriage counseling at their church, which helped them understand each other better. Alan's new investment in his marriage led him, him and Candy to call, uh, uh, to call off their affair. 
Alan was away on a business trip on Friday, June 13, 1980. Knowing that Betty hated being alone, he became concerned that she wasn't, um, when she wasn't answering any of his phone calls. He asked his neighbors to knock on their front door and see if Betty was home. When she didn't answer, he called Candy to see if she had heard from his wife. Alan made more phone calls and learned that the lights in the house were on, but both cars were, and both cars were in the driveway, but no one was hearing from Betty at all. Neighbors entered the home several hours later after he first suspected that something was wrong. The search team found that their daughter was in her crib and Betty's body was in the utility room. She was so bloody that they initially thought that she had been shot several times. Oh my God. <laughs> after hearing of his wife's death, Alan went to Montgomery's home to tell them about the devastating news and asked them to continue to watch um, Alyssa, who was their daughter. As the last person to see Betty alive, Candy became the main suspect in the murder, but her version of the day's events seemed normal to investigators. Alan eventually conf uh, confessed to the police about having an affair with Candy um, that ended months prior, a motive for uh, killing Betty. Candy was charged with murder and released on bail with the full support of her church. Candy went to a psychiatrist who determined after a few hypnosis sessions that Candy suffered from a childhood trauma that had been triggered by the rage, uh, been triggered by her rage as an adult. She told the jury that Betty had confronted her about her affair with Alan and had attacked, attacked her with an axe, claiming it was self-defense. Candy delivered 41 blows to Betty's body with an axe, 40 of which had been done while her heart was still beating and she was still alive. Oh, my God. <laughs> but she insisted that she didn't mean to kill Betty. What? <laughs> After the jury heard the final arguments, Candy was found not guilty. <gasps> Shut up. And the Montgomerys stayed together after the trial and moved to no Georgia. No way. But they later got a divorce. It was reported that Candy, um, it was reported Candy now goes by her maiden name, Candace Wheeler, and it works as a mental health therapist <gasps> for teens and adults. No. Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> let me just get this straight because not looking at names, it confuses me. But is Candy the one who was having the affair or Betty was having the affair? Betty was, uh, Candy was having an affair with Betty's husband, but she was good friends with Betty. And so Betty confronted her. Yeah. And then Candy killed her. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to get that straight because I was like, wait a second. What the fuck? <laughs> Found not fucking guilty. Um, I just want to know. 41 <laughs> times with an axe? 41. Self-defense. <laughs> what? What? And then found not guilty. And it was, <laughs> she was, and she didn't mean to kill her. What? <laughs> like. That means. Man. I, <sighs> And the craziest thing is, like, she murdered this bitch, but the church was like, no. No, it's okay. I... <laughs> like, you're the one who cheated with her husband, and then you murdered her. And then she stayed with her husband, even after he found out that she was having an affair... It must and have been murdered a girl. Yeah. What? It makes the crazy thing is I have never heard of this until Elizabeth Olsen was casted. 
So Elizabeth Olsen was casted as Candy Montgomery. And I was like, hot girl shit. Love that. But I didn't know anything about the case other than it was like a girl who murdered her best friend. And then when I was doing research, they're also making a movie, I think on Hulu with Emily Moss. And it's the same, is it like, is about like Candy Montgomery. So it must have been like, a really, I mean, it sounds like a really fucking crazy case, but it must have been like a pretty popular crazy case at the time since it's now like being made by two different. What year did this happen in? Um, I think it was like 1978. Let's see. Through like 1979. That's just what this site says. I was just curious how like long a specific year doesn't matter. I was just curious because I was like, it's weird that, I don't know, that there's two things being produced at the same time from something that happened like quite a few years ago. That's weird. Yeah, well, how does, <laughs> if I hit somebody with an axe even one time, I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not doing that out of self-defense. Like one time could maybe be self-defense. Any more than that, any more than like three times, that's not self-defense. 41. No. And her, 41. And she obviously knew that she was still alive because she went that one more to make sure <laughs> she was dead. What? Like, they said her heart was still beating after 40, right? Yeah, she was alive for the... The 40 blows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that last one, like, she fucking knew. She's like, I can still see her heart beating. (laughs) She's like, not, no. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Oh, my God. And now you're a fucking therapist. She was a (laughs) therapist. I don't know if she's still alive. Yeah. Fuck no. Absolutely not. Dear God, our justice system is so fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who, who voted her not guilty to? Like seriously, <laughs> like it would be one thing if it was like a hung jury or whatever. Like they couldn't come to a unanimous because I believe you have to have a unanimous decision. Otherwise, it's like called a hung jury. And so it's like, if you're just saying she's not guilty, like what? Are you good? Her lawyer must have been like an actual god. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like- what Damn. the fuck? Well, it'll be fun. Not fun. It'll be interesting to see, like, the TV shows. Because it kind of gives me, um, like, the Gypsy Rose Blanchard TV show. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of, like, that same thing. Like, based on a real story, but you know that it's going to be, like, very much dramatized. So Yeah, especially with the cast. Like, Lily yeah. Ray does awesome dramas. And she's yeah. always, like... A plus in American horror stories, so yeah. So that's why I say it'll be fun to watch, not fun to watch because a woman did get murdered. So it'll also be interesting to see since they're doing like two different. Like I'm pretty sure the one with Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen is a HBO Max miniseries, hmm. and then I think the other one is on Hulu. So it'll it'll be fun and interesting to like compare the two. Yeah. Should be interesting. Okay, so I have a spooky story. So I'm going to be reading this as the person wrote it because, I don't know, trying to like interpret somebody's story just feels wrong. So this is by the Reddit user KG Power. And the name of the story is Something Has Haunted My Family for Years. 
which caused Ed and Lorraine Warren to visit my mother in college, but we are still but we are still haunted to this day. Oh, no. They put, we are still be haunted to this day, so there was a typo. Sometimes the Reddit aren't always, like, the easiest to read. I think sometimes they, like, copy and paste, and then sometimes things get jumbled, because I've done that before. So, my mother went to Eastern Washington University and stayed in one of the houses the locals rented out to college students. I cannot give the exact age of the house, but it was old enough to have a built-in button on the floor that would call up to the servants in the attic, so the house was relatively old. During her studies, she had three different roommates. My uncle was the first, who was then replaced by my mother's best friend, who was replaced by my father. All three of them can confirm strange happenings in this house and have been woken up in the middle of the night with people whispering and the worst of it was in my mother's room and the attic. Fucking attics, man. <laughs> oh. My mother hated that house, but she didn't have anywhere else to live and the dorms were expensive. So she sucked it up and lived, and lived there until she graduated. She hated sleeping alone. The air in her room constantly felt thick and heavy. Her closet was constantly freezing cold and at night she would hear multiple people whispering incoherent words at once. <sighs> While living there, my mother had a cat named Puss who would constantly hide under the bed. One time, my mother caught Puss out from under her bed, sitting, watching, and growling at one of the corners of the room. My mother went over to her, confused at what she was looking at until she saw a black figure in the corner slowly start to move upwards toward the ceiling. Ooh! 10 out of 10, no. (laughs) Absolutely not. Puss started to become more aggressive, her hissing and growling getting louder before she freaked out and shot off back under the bed, still growling at the corner until the black figure was gone. My mother had never seen Puss act like this since she was usually a very loving and happy cat, but whatever that was clearly terrified her. Sometime later, my mother was talking with a friend who was excited to be touring two famous... Sorry, I had to reread that sentence. So they were touring two famous paranormal investigators around the college and town, showing them supposed haunted places. My mother had brought up the fact that she had always had weird stuff happening in her house and thinks it may be haunted. Her friend got excited and begged her to let him bring them to the house. My mother refused since she wasn't willing to stay up late for some people that she doesn't even know. My mother didn't know at the time who these investigators were since she really never kept up with paranormal stuff. Um, She believed that it can let evil into your life, and she only knew that there were quite a few popular talk shows at the time. These two investigators were Ed and Lorraine Warren. Around midnight, my mother's best friend comes to her and tells her that there are people at the door wanting to speak to her. Confused, my mother got in a robe and went to the front door. There she saw her tour guide friend with... 12 other students behind Ed and Lorraine Warren. Lorraine asked my mother if they could come in as their guide told them that it is possible her house is haunted. My mother agreed and let them all in. Lorraine asked my mother where in the house is the haunting more active and my mother told her that it was in her bedroom and that she would take Ed and Lorraine there but everyone else had to wait here. Um, They agreed and my mother took Ed and Lorraine to her room. 
When my mother entered her room, she sat on her bed and asked if they could feel it, how heavy the air was. Ed and Lorraine agreed that the air was heavy, like how some of the haunted places they had been to. Lorraine walked around the room um, closest to the closet, or walked around the room, then to the closet. Sorry, again, I'm having to, like, reinterpret what they're saying. And asked if she could hear voices here. My mother broke down crying and said she could hear them every night and that it kept her up. Lorraine told her that it was possible that her closet is a doorway for those who passed on or a doorway to hell. Oh, no. (laughs) My mother continued to cry before Lorraine came over to her and told her that the reason this stuff happens or is happening to her is because of her mom's family, that the women have some connection with those beyond and that it's possible that they are psychics, which make the dead attracted to her. My mother then told Lorraine about the black figure, which Lorraine told her that wasn't from this house, but was connected to her family, mainly her her dad's side, and that it was most likely, and that it most likely went after her grandfather, her father, and now her. The figure isn't a ghost or a demon, but something pure evil, and that it wants her. Fearful, my mother asked them if they could bless her room, which they did, and after further investigation of the house, Ed and Lorraine told her that her house was the first place that actually showed activity and signs of haunting in the whole area. After they finished blessing the house, Ed and Lorraine left. Time passed, and my mom's best friend moved out, and my dad moved in. The activity in the house still continued even after the blessing. At first, my father was skeptical of the house being haunted until one night while sleeping in my mom's bed, he heard the whispering. He asked my mom what she said, and she told him she didn't say anything. After a few moments of silence between them, she asked if he could hear them. Confused, my father asked what she was talking about, and she told him the whispering. He then agreed that she heard the whispering and asked where it was coming from. To which he told him it was from the closet and it happens every night. Sometime after, my father got curious about whether or not the, su- the servant's button still worked. Originally, no one had ever been up to the attic. Both of my parents made their way up to the attic, but never reached the top since on their way, both of my parents felt like they couldn't breathe as the temperature dropped to the freezings and my mother started to panic and she felt like she was being choked. She quickly told my father to turn back around because it felt as though they were not wanted up there. Not wanting to upset my mother, my father agreed and turned back around, never to go up there again. Once my mother graduated college, they moved out of the house, and strange events continued to happen no matter where they moved. Around the time I was born, my parents lived in a rather small house with my two older brothers. Constantly, our cats would freak out, growling and hissing at the corners of the house. Not only that, but my mother would constantly see this black figure around the house. Later, my family had our new house constructed and we moved out of our old one. These strange events followed us and got worse. One day when I was around five, I was walking outside my room to walk downstairs. The moment I walked to the balcony, I felt someone grab my arm extremely roughly I turned around and I just see a black figure holding my arm. I scream for my mother. She comes running upstairs and she sees the black figure. She grabs my arm and tries to pull me away, but the figure will not let me go. 
She pulled as hard as she could and ripped me away from the black figure. As she does, the figure disappears and a giant hand mark is left on my arm. My mother ran downstairs and screamed at my father to get my brothers and that they were leaving the house until it was blessed. We later had a priest come to our house and bless it. Afterward, the activity stopped, but growing up, myself and my second older brother would constantly have nightmares of this figure in our dreams, doing awful things to us, but it had bright red eyes and would chase us. Nothing else has happened since then, and I still live in the house, but every once in a while, I get this sudden fear from the staircase. I never go downstairs at night without the lights on out of fear of this thing that is possibly still here. I had spoken to my mother about the dreams and stuff that happens, or that happened to her, but she tries to avoid talking about it since she believes the more we talk about it, the more it would come back. She has told me, though, that she spoke with my grandfather about this figure, who refused to talk much about it since the first time she brought it up, he went pale as a ghost. He said that the figure used to torment him as a child, and his dad would tell him about the figure and how it would come for him as it did with him. My mother didn't realize that it was Ed and Lorraine Warren until we were watching a documentary about them, and she points out that they were the ones who came to her house. I was speechless, and she was confused as I told her that um, they were Ed and Lorraine Warren, the most famous paranormal investigators, and they were the ones who started publicly doing paranormal investigations, and there are famous horror movies that involve them. My mother freaked out and told my father about it, and while he was shocked, he didn't think much of it. I apologize if my story is a little all over the place, but this was my best attempt to explain my mother's story and my experience since my mother doesn't like to talk about it much out of fear. That was spooky. <laughs> like they literally oh my God. They literally have a like a family like spirit that follows them. Like um apparently Lorraine Warren said to her this like black shadow figure you're seeing your dad saw and your grandfather saw and so like when she talked to her grandfather and he went like pale as a ghost like that just proves like yeah and then he even said yeah um when I would talk to my dad about it so her great-grandfather he was like yeah that like spirit used to torment me that's like <laughs> they but literally like have such like a shitty way to live. They have like an inherited ghost. And like they had um well I mean she kind of seemed like the activity stopped after they had their new house blessed. But before when Ed and Lorraine blessed the house that she was renting, it made no difference. <laughs> Demon was like LOL K. <laughs> Weak sauce. Yeah. Shit. So again, that was from a Reddit post from the Reddit user KG Power, and they'll be linked in our description. But sorry if I stumbled over a few sentences here and there, but reading, I don't know, sometimes people just, they keep typing and then they don't realize, and then there's a few mistakes, and I read those mistakes. <laughs> You read them accurately. <laughs> but I can't imagine. Like, could you imagine no. 
Oh my god. An inherited ghost. Like what? I'd be so pissed. Be like all the things that I inherit in my family and you, y'all passed down good demons <laughs> yeah. to me. But what's interesting Ugh. is the Reddit user and their older brother both were having the same types of like nightmares. Ugh. And I think she said, she, or not she, I don't know if it's she. Um, they said that they had like two older brothers, I believe. So why wasn't yeah, the middle brother? Oh yeah, why wasn't the middle brother like having those dreams? Skipped a generation. <laughs> like how fucked. <laughs> oh man, dude. O'Malley does that shit all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. If I was to, like look up and then just see this black figure vibing in the corner of our apartment. I would shoot, I would rocket myself to the moon. I'd be so scared. (laughs) I genuinely, I think about this pretty frequently. But, like, the people who have lived with, like, a spirit attachment or ghosts that follow them no matter where they live, like, how how do you live with that? Because that would be the only thing I would be thinking about all the time. I don't know. Like, I know, like, a lot of people, like, take comfort in their faith. And, like, good for them. There's nothing wrong with that. But, like, what about the people that, like, aren't religious, that don't have a faith? But it's, like, could you imagine, like, you realize that you have, like, a spirit attachment and you come home and your house is just, like, fucking destroyed. Or you're trying to go to sleep and you see, like, a figure in the corner of your room. But you see them every single night. Like, how do you live with that? And then the fucking constant whisperings? Yeah. And, like, like oh. this is total, like, nonfiction. But we just finished The Haunting of Hill House and Midnight Mass. And in Midnight Mass, that guy, every time he would try to go to sleep, he would see the girl that he killed because he was, like, driving while under the influence. And it's, like, the haunting of Bly House, whenever she would see, I think, her dead fiancé in the mirror, every time she looked in the mirror, it's, like, every single time you do that act, you would see that spirit. And obviously, those aren't, like, real examples but it's like if that actually happened, like how do you live with yeah, that? Yeah, like just the concept of it. Like I would never ugh. look in a mirror. I would never fucking go to sleep. Like what? I would like not to be dramatic, but like I feel like that would literally drive me insane. Like actually mm-hmm. unstable. Like mm-hmm. I I would not be able to live like that. Right. And like that's what I think too. I I could see suicide rates increasing due to like spiritual attachments yeah absolutely yeah i i wouldn't know how to live with myself (laughs) it always like i don't know we'll have to look into it and like maybe find somebody who's had that type of experience and see how they live with it or whatever but i just always think about that because it's like even the tv we tv show we started watching um a ghost ruined my life. <laughs> yeah. Both people went on to become part of the paranormal activity. And I want to say the second girl, she like still had stuff happening to her. It didn't matter what state she lived in, what city, what house, the same shit would happen to her. And it's like, how do you not go insane? Yeah. I can see like 
if that was like how you live like why so many people from that show went to become like paranormal right investi- not investigators but like had some kind of job or career in the paranormal field just from like trying to research to get it to stop like i would <laughs> that's probably what i would do yeah or at least try to uh, to have like a better understanding right but like i mean how creepy would it be if you didn't even know them like i like i know we were talking yeah. about like bly manor and like Midnight Mass. Yeah, where they like they knew who was right. like, showing up, but like I feel like it'd be even creepier if you're like, who is who this bitch? <laughs> who the fuck are you? Where did you come Why from? Why me? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like anytime I look at houses, because we desperately want to buy a house. <laughs> desperately, I already have paint colors picked out in my head. Like, trust me. But it's like. I think about that and I'm like, what if something happened in this house? Oh, I would definitely, first of all, no basements, no attics. Oh, Absolutely no. fucking not. Luckily, we live in Arizona, so those aren't common at all. No, but we do have to be careful of, like, if we buy on, like, something that was, like, previously, like, Navajo land. Right. Because that's big in Arizona. Yes. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if all of our land was Navajo. Probably. It probably is. It probably is. I'd fucking bless the house or, like, sage it. Yeah. If we were on Navajo land, I think I would, um, I don't know, maybe find somebody of Navajo descent to bless our house because that's that's their land and they are allowing us to have it. But that's just my thought process. <laughs> no, yeah, so if you guys have any spooky stories to tell us, or any good paranormal, true crime stories or TV shows, documentaries, etc. Let us know. Because that's what we're doing all, all month. That's basically all we've been doing. Yeah. Also, if you've watched Bly Manor and Midnight Mass and Haunting... Haunting? Hello? <laughs> Haunting of Hill House. Uh, comment your favorite. What's your favorite? Haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House, the scares in it were really good. And that's why that's why it's my like I don't get me wrong, I loved the story of Bly Manor and obviously I loved the gay relationship. Yeah. Um I liked the concept of Midnight Mass. Um but it It was a slow start. It was a slow start and the, the church, all the religious stuff was a little hard to swallow, but Yeah. The fucking the fucking spooks of Hell House was just chef's kiss. Like, I watched it a second time, and I feel like I got even more scared at the, like, jump scares than I did the first time I watched it. I might just be biased, but I think The Haunting of Bly Manor is my favorite. But I did watch that one before I watched The Haunting of Hill House. Interesting. Um, I I think I just really liked the, like... Because kids are creepy as fuck. Oh so my like, gosh, yeah. The kid aspect of it and the like history of the house, etc. And then like her seeing her dead fiance, like that really had nothing to do with anything. But it's still like I remember the first time she like saw his face in a mirror and I was like, oh my god. So I think that one's my favorite. And I, I have to I forgot about the little kids. What was what did the little girl always say? Simply splendid or something yeah. like that. And I was like 
<laughs> Why are those two words so creepy coming out of your mouth? I know. But we'll do a mini episode talking about what TV shows we're watching and get more in depth. Yeah. But let us know. And we will see you guys next time. Cheers.